and welcome to the My Hormones, My Health podcast. My name's Laura and I have PMDD. Come with me as I navigate my way through the highs, the lows and the lowers of all things relating to hormones and health. I can't promise that I'll have all the answers, but at the heart of everything I do, I'll be aiming to spread a message of hope that a life with hormone or health issues can be compatible with a life of joy. Welcome to episode six. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Anna. She contacted me after hearing the first couple of episodes of the podcast, just really to tell me that she felt that so much of what I had had to say had resonated with her. One thing I've really noticed is that people who are listening to the podcast don't just want to listen, they want to talk as well and share their own experiences. And it's a really inspiring thing to hear other people talking about their own taboo health and hormone issues and what they actually mean to them. So I asked Anna to share her story with me and I was hit by the most lengthy and open email I think I've ever received. And I don't mean that to sound like Anna was oversharing or or anything like that. I think she was just sharing maybe a lot of what had been bottling up and she wanted to get it off her chest. I got the sense that sending me that initial email had been a really great outlet for Anna. So I invited her to come and share her story with this wider audience. So if you're listening and enjoying, I encourage you to start talking too with friends, family, colleagues, on social media, whatever works for you in just starting a conversation, whether it's talking about your own issues or just asking somebody how they really are. I feel like I'm witnessing magic happening when I'm hearing other people talk. And I mean really talk for the first time. So here's my chat with Anna. Hi Anna, thank you for joining me on the podcast. So thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Um, So Today we're going to be talking about your experiences of PMDD. Shall we start with just kind of talking about the initial stages for you? So did you know that something wasn't right? Um, it's a weird one really. So I can't quite pinpoint when I first started feeling the way I did. Um, but I did think over a considerable amount of time, I started using the excuse of, oh, it's because I'm due on to sort of justify to myself why I was behaving completely differently and feeling the way I was and even the way I was reacting to things really emotionally like I couldn't see like a rational window in anything so I say for a while I was in sort of complete denial in a way that it was anything but normal. I can totally relate to that actually you know that kind of oh I'm due on and just kind of using that as an not an excuse but kind of just getting really familiar with saying it all the time and yeah. before you know it actually you, you maybe realize it's more than just a bit of like PMS yeah especially the like the I'd say three days before my period that is just like hell for everyone and me um <laughs> yes not so much now because I'm on medication now but definitely before medication I just I dreaded it leading up to it which doesn't obviously help with anxiety and then once I was in the thick of it it was just reminding myself that it will be like over it's quite draining isn't it having that narrative with yourself every month (laughs) I I kind of liken it to you know when you've got like a really bad cold and you think you'll never be able to breathe normally again (laughs) yes yeah when you are in the throes of PMDD you 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 almost can't remember what feeling good felt like or feeling normal felt like yeah and then in the same respect once you're out of that you then look back and go it wasn't actually it was horrendous but then you sort of uh talk yourself out of how serious it was yeah. And yeah. I think that's why so many people don't end up going to the doctors because they just like 
think, oh, I'll go to the doctors and then they feel better so they don't yeah. do anything about it. Yeah, that was me, definitely. Me for, too. For a long while, yeah. So you said like the three days before your period is when it's like, or when it used to be like really bad. What yeah. What happens kind of in your mind then? I think... The thing with me is, obviously, the mental symptoms are bad enough, but it's that inner battle. So, like, as soon as ovulation happens, I'm very much like, oh, like, or lead up to that. I'm very much like, oh, I actually feel all right this month. My partner hears it every month, which he must hate. I feel all right this month. And I think it's, you know, feeling got my got my shit together. And then three days later, I'm like, oh. Um, but especially the lead up, it's just even everyday life like goes to a food shop or I don't know having a shower or having a bath or bringing up my dad for a catch-up it just seems like a massive effort and it's what it takes the joy out of everyday life like even the little things that shouldn't even like be on your radar or stuff to bother you um just still the joy doesn't it really yeah definitely yeah. and I know for you as well you get quite bad physical symptoms oh god yeah <laughs> so what are your physical symptoms like because I don't think this is really talked about as much when it comes to PMDD well, yeah well I've discovered a new medical condition actually it's called melantitis. my boobs <laughs> are just like something else um for, yeah for two weeks of the month they're so they're really swollen my cleavage looks great they get it wrong but um they're so sore in and out of a bra um not the one like that um and also like backache and inner thigh ache um trouble sleeping yeah headache I get migraine I know you get migraines as well don't you but um, yeah migraines and um, my vision goes a bit funny as well but that can be related to brain fog apparently which I'm currently experiencing at the moment hence the post-it notes <laughs> surrounding me um but yeah yeah the boobs are not the one yeah I think that's a massive one isn't it yeah definitely my daughter actually recognizes it because she's she's nearly four now and um oh mum, your boobs are looking big today I was like yes I know Walton <laughs> thank you for my daughter and all. thank you very much like even she's noticing <laughs> I think for other people to notice like a change in the way they look it says a lot doesn't it really yeah yeah, yeah definitely. definitely yeah so how did you find out about PMDD then what was your light bulb moment oh I'm trying to think um I think I had, if it's possible, sort of two light bulb moments. So the okay. first one was nearly two years ago now where I sort of went through like a big change in my life. Um, but the end result being I was obviously in a better space mentally. Yeah. But it almost stripped me bare and I was still left with this cycle of chaos like every month. And I was like, hmm, no, that, that can't be situational things because I've sort of, you know, removed myself from certain situations. So I went to the doctor then, but as I just said earlier, like I almost talked myself out of my symptoms. Um, you know, I went there and I was like, blah, blah, I feel this certain way like every month. And obviously they ask, oh, what else is going on in your life? So I explained the stressful shit. Um, and they were like, yeah, I think you're going for a bit of a rough time, like go to counselling and recommended talking therapies, which I know is sort of like the first signposting they do. But I sort of went away and thought maybe it's not what I think it is maybe it's just PMS and I'm just aware of it more now so I had that one and then literally about a year later I had another light bulb moment when it was just unbearable to the point where I was almost at breaking point in a way because I was just so sick of feeling the same way every month um and also like I know I was not a burden to anyone around me they'd never say that and I know I wasn't deep down but I just felt a burden to myself every month thinking oh fucking hell like I just can't 
keep doing this, um, have the same conversation with myself and other people. See, I went back again to a doctor because the first time around I saw like a locum. Which, you know, that's just like, you know, that just happened. Um, but my actual doctor, female doctor as well, which isn't really, I'm not saying that's better than a male doctor. I'm just saying, obviously, they can relate more. Yeah. They have yeah. periods, you know. So, but she was really lovely. But sort of like your doctor was just a bit like, oh, don't know much about it. Um, but, we'll, you know, I'll, I'll refer you urgently to gynecology. So, yeah, then from there, that's how it all went down, really. Did you find then that the support from healthcare professionals was was good? Yeah, overall, yeah. So obviously the first doctor's appointment, I think that was kind of my fault because I think obviously I belittled it in my head. But once I went back the second time, um, after that, yeah, I've got absolutely no complaints. I went to a gynecology department locally and um, she asked about, so it's all about my childbirth. I don't know why that was relevant, but obviously it's all hormone related. Um mm-hmm. Done probably like other sort of talk about all that sort of stuff. And she wrote a letter to my GP, and then from there I was given the option of medication. So after that, yeah, no, definitely, I've got no complaints really. That's really good because I think one thing that puts people off mm. is kind of a lack of faith in like the NHS and things like that. Um, but it yeah. sounds like, uh, like with my experience as well, it, I feel like it wasn't as bad as what a lot of people get and that's that's important isn't it yeah I remember you were saying you went there like armored up with your you know your uh, written down dates and you know kind of expecting a battle on your hands to sort of get some answers but it's sort of say oh I literally I found my my old diary where was it the other night and I was thinking about this you know this podcast and I looked at it it's it's weird now because don't get me wrong I still get the symptoms to a much lesser degree and I'm really grateful but it's almost reading it and it's not me anymore, which is good. Yeah. It's a good thing, but it's so, so, so surreal. Um, you know, I, I, I think I've done. Yeah. Uh, I've had a good, good time with it with the doctors. Yeah, well, that's that's good, isn't it? Yeah. So, what has treatment been like for you then, in terms of kind of medical? You mentioned therapy, or even alternative. Um. Yeah. So. From I say end of January, February time, I've been taking antidepressants like surgically 50 milligram um, for the luteal phase of my cycle, sort of like you, obviously. Um, it's been a strange one because initially I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like the first month, I was like, I felt reborn. I was like, oh, wow. Even my partner was like, whoa. I was like, yeah, back to me. Um, the second or third month, it was quite unnerving because it was almost as if the emotional intensity I find during that time was replaced by. A sort of grey wash, right. um, which is, is it makes my life much more easier to sort of manage. But it was a bit sort of not numb. I'd never say numb, but it was a bit strange. But now I feel like I'm, I'm getting somewhere with it. Definitely, that's really good. Uh, and what about for the um, like the physical symptoms? What do you do to help yourself with, you know, the backache and things like that? Um, I still. I mean, the boobs are still there, um, <laughs> currently are. Um, migraines haven't been as bad, um, and I still get the backache. But to be honest with you, I've always found the mental side much worse than the physical side, and I think everyone does with PNDD, so I sort of just take it as it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think with things like the backache and, like you know, like ovulation pain and all of that, that's where your ibuprofen gel comes in, isn't it, really? Yeah. You just kind of yeah. use your ibuprofen, ibuprofen yeah, gel. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you saying that um, 
the doctor did also recommend therapy talking therapy did you did you did you go with that or was it not something that you tried I didn't and I think it comes out of a place of pure stubbornness because um I'd been down that route I say about six years ago for my anxiety and don't get me wrong it it equipped me with some great coping mechanisms but where I was doing it on my own with the PMDD at home sort of stuff I just I was doing that on my own already um, yeah so I didn't really see the point I'm with you yeah and I think it's I, I have therapy but it's not something that I have regularly it's kind of just something I dip in and out of on the months that I think I'm going to struggle more I try to plan for it obviously it's not uh, (laughs) the most accurate thing but I get what you're saying because I think therapy for me is more of a thing to kind of um hold on to my more positive days or just remind myself of the techniques that that help me out as opposed to kind of dealing with any past trauma or, or anything like that really Yes, this is how I sort of touch base with yourself, isn't it? I mean, I did yeah. receive um, psychotherapy for three months after some some shit a couple of years ago, and that was obviously one-to-one, not even CBT-related. And I learned a lot from that. It's almost like a factory reset in a way. Um, so that's when I realised the PMDD stuff after that. So I was like, oh, I'm still not feeling great, even though I feel much better most of the time. And that's when I correlated the two weeks on, two weeks off sort of balance and juggling act. So like yeah, that. factory reset. Yeah. Yes, that's me every month. I mean, I, oh, it's a tough one because I'm, I'm a mum, as you know. So I always find myself it's like factory reset, and I'm just pure mum mode, which isn't a bad thing. You know what I mean? My my daughter, I love her dearly. She's almost like a distraction, not in a horrible way, but it distracts me. I haven't got to focus on how I'm feeling. I'm just yeah. mum mode. But to everyone else around me, I'm just an absolute bore for like two weeks because I, I have no time for myself. I don't want to go out and see people. Um, but it's getting much more manageable now since medication. Um, I think the more aware you are of your cycle, it's better. But I do find sometimes I have to sort of switch off my tracking app on my phone because I'm then trying to plan my life around it far too much, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. Yes, like work things and like, oh, going out for someone's birthday. I'm like, hang on, that's uh, in that hell week. I'm going to be full of anxiety. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's awful. Yeah. I think when it comes to tracking, I you know people message me saying, "Oh, I think I've got PMDD. What you know? What's the first thing I should do?" And I always say, "Start by kind of tracking on an app or um, in a journal." But I feel like I always have to make a point of saying, "Don't feel like you need to be religious with your tracking." And for me, tracking doesn't really serve a purpose. Now I've got a diagnosis. It, It. it kind of helps, but then I think, well, I know, I know where I am in my cycle anyway. Tracking yeah. actually doesn't really, for me anyway, have a purpose now. No, um, no, I'm, I'm at the same place. But the thing with me is my cycles are really irregular. So, like, last last month I had a 41-day cycle. Oh, where, where did that come from? I don't fucking know. Um, so I was like, there, going, I feel a bit shit. Is this my luteal phase? Is it not? Do you know what I mean? Because, like, I was saying to you over, like, WhatsApp the other day, like, I need to start tracking my ovulation a bit more closely because I'm having to sort of second guess myself so I'm not massively in tune physically obviously I get the backache and the inner fire pain and the stomach cramps I'm like I'm definitely ovulating but then it's not 100% certain for me all the time so I think if I was to track it a bit better it would definitely help because I feel like most of the time I'm on the brink of the downward slope I'm like aha sexually that'll help and it does but I'd rather just skip that downward slope altogether and not even be there 
yeah in an ideal world (laughs) yeah definitely so um you you mentioned then about the fact that you're a mom and PMDD sometimes kind of maybe impacting your social life what I mean how does it affect other areas of your life do you think I'm trying to think um Social is obviously a big one. I mean, not that I'm a, I like being a hermit anyway, you know, mum life, whatever else. Um, so socially, and I mean, the mum thing is a difficult one to admit. I think you had a woman called Katie on, or do yes. also a mum, mate, her podcast. It spoke to me like your one spoke to me. Do you know what I mean? Like her one, it was brilliant. Um, because she's obviously she was on about the awareness with kids, and you don't want to sort of sugarcoat things to them, but you don't want to make them so aware of some, some heavy stuff too soon or too early. Um, that's a tough one. I thought I was going with that, but that really resonated with me. Um, cool. But it's a hard one to admit sometimes. As a mum, you struggle because you feel like a bit of a bit of a failure. Which I know I'm not. I think I'm a. I'm, I think I'm a good mum. Always a work in progress being a mum, as Katie said as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I say mainly socially um, and mum wise. Um, but I do the same thing as you. Like obviously, I only work part time because obviously mum life, whatever. But um, I always find like the end of the second week, I'm like massively productive at work. Right? And then it's almost like, is it psychosomatic where I'm aware I'm going to be in a shit mood this time next week, so I'll get more done or I'm just feeling great in myself and that's why I'm being really proactive. I'm always having to like logically uh, explain things to myself to get some sort of understanding on it. It's easy to start kind of analysing everything, yes. isn't it? Like, am I feeling really good because of where I am in my cycle or am I just feeling good? Should yes. I just enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and you've already told me as well when, we, when we've chatted on, on WhatsApp that you work in mental health. Was that yes. inspired by your, um, by your own struggles? Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Yes, definitely. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think how I can explain that. Um, so before starting working in mental health, um, I used to work as like a photographer, assistant magazines, that sort of thing. Um, and my anxiety was quite prevalent then. Um, and looking back, I do wonder whether it was hormone related. Like we've, I've mentioned to you before, you know, contraceptives, and I used to get belly aches and bloating mid-cycle and all that sort of stuff. And my anxiety was always something that I managed to hold together. But then I had, I had this one job. I had it for nine months. Great opportunity. I really enjoyed it. But my anxiety just crippled me. And I left that job thinking, now nah, I'm actually sort of done with this now. I wanted something to say a bit more rewarding. And that's sort of what inspired that. And then I got pregnant at the same time. So I had all that going off. And yeah, I've sort of gone full circle. Now I've gone back to mental health. Been at my place for just over a year. And I really, really enjoy it. Of really, really enjoy it, yeah. So I know that uh, when we were talking kind of in the week and even just this afternoon, you were really excited to come on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, with what you just said about work as well. Why is talking about this so important to you? Uh, I think mainly it's because I feel like women may just blame it to PMS when it really isn't uh, obviously I've got loads of women friends and we all talk about our hormones and our cycles I just think awareness is absolutely key like everyone says about it um so yeah I think that's mainly it and obviously I share a lot of stuff on my Instagram anyway I just thought it'd be a great opportunity to sort of put a voice on it in my Essex really fast talking way <laughs> You know, I get loads of um, messages about like my accent, so it would be quite nice to have our two contrasting accents on this. Yours would sound much better, I'm sure. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so why do you think it's it's such a taboo subject then when it's, you know, you, you say you can talk to your friends about kind of periods and stuff. Yeah. This is something that's such like a taboo subject. It's not talked about. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's, it includes two awkward elements, periods and mental health. They all hold such stigma and people sort of whisper about it. I mean, don't get me wrong, awareness is so much more better now than it was like 30 years ago. But um, in combining them together, it's just awkward for people, isn't it? I mean, I remember when I started working in mental health when I was pregnant and a friend of mine, you know, he's a bit older, only 60, so maybe it's a generational thing, maybe, I'm not trying to judge, but, you know, he's like, oh, how can you help people with mental health if you struggle with your own? And I thought, well, first of all, all of us have got mental health. Like, you're, the lack of understanding there just baffled me. And secondly, I just thought, like, well, how dare you judge me? But also, like, surely my empathy counts to something and the experiences I've sort of like you know gone through um so yeah I think that's why it's such a taboo subject people shy away from it for whatever reason it makes people uncomfortable I guess yeah yeah I agree it's an uncomfortable subject but I think the people who are probably most uncomfortable or have the right to be most uncomfortable are the ones who are kind of allowing themselves to be vulnerable Yes, you know, never yes. mind, poor you having to listen to what we've yeah, got today, yeah, definitely. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, 100%. Yeah. So do you feel like you get enough support then? Um, yeah, I think overall, yes. I think, um, should I think, I do, most of the time. I think when I'm in the pits of it, I'm like, oh, I wish I could talk to someone like professionally about this a bit more, or maybe I could apply some coping mechanisms at different points to sort of help me get through it better. But I think that's the overanalyzing side of me. I mean, that frame of mind. Um, but for the best part, no, I do feel supported, especially by like my partner, my mum and my sister. Um, I'm very lucky that I can sort of like offload on them. <laughs> I try not to. Um, you know, I just I know I've got that comfort and support there. So yeah. What about you? Yeah, I um see I don't think feel like you should have asked me that question because my husband's now sat here with a massive grin on his face. <laughs> um yeah no um I'm I'm very lucky because I've got yeah. obviously shout out to the tech engineer uh, I've got Gaz um my friends are just amazing as well and I think just I I think we hear a lot about the negativity and we hear a lot about you know like you just said about that that man who is quite rude to you I yeah. think I don't know I just feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of positivity um I think part of me kind of doing all of this has been quite interesting because I shared it with my kind of family and my friends first. I started off this Instagram account where I was completely anonymous. Yeah. Um, but the people who I was communicating with are similar people. They have the empathy like like yourself. Um. And then I shared it kind of on Facebook with people who, yes, maybe friends, but people who maybe I haven't spoken to in years or, you know, people yeah. on Facebook who probably don't even know who they are. And that felt really vulnerable. And then when it was in on the Metro and there were some quite negative comments from idiots on there, part of me was kind of like... I wasn't really upset by it anyway because I was just like it's just ignorance and that's why I'm doing it but I yeah. think that was the first time that I'd really been exposed to negativity if that's the right word um whereas I I think I'm in quite a safe bubble of people who want 
want good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so I think same. I think I'm quite lucky, really. Um, I've not really been, I've not really had any negative experiences, really, good. with sharing. Good. And I think the more positive feedback I get, and the more I get people saying, you know what, the, the podcast actually really helped me, or I can relate to what Anna said or Katie said, or I found it really in- informative. That just spurs me on, but actually, I think it was the negative comments that spurred me on most. Yeah, because... like, fuck you. Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> if you're going to, like, make comments about the fact that um, one of them was something like, oh, she must be a wine drinker. <sighs> and I was like, oh, my God, that's so, like, it's not it's not even offensive because it's just so ridiculous. But at the same time, I was like, they are the type of people that want to quiet in other people. Yeah, and yeah. that's what's making me speak out more because yeah. I don't think it's right. And what I'm now doing is waving any anonymity, anonymity, <laughs> that word, um, and <laughs> brain fog. And, you know, just I just kind of think now, like, this podcast, it was started off as something for me to just kind of talk on. And the amount of messages I've had from people saying that, oh my God, I'd love to come on. I realized it's, it's not really my podcast. It's it's a podcast that's a platform for voices that, that want to be heard. Yeah. And when I think back to those crappy comments I got, I just think for every comment that I got that was wanting me to be quieter, I'm just going to make sure I speak louder and get other people yeah. to speak louder as well. That's great. It's great. This is why I ask the questions, because if I answer the questions, I just go off on a tangent. No, no. <laughs> that's all good. <laughs> so um, lots of people that I have spoken to have said that they feel like having PMDD and just any kind of health or hormone issues has fed into a wider purpose for them. Do you feel like it's given you a purpose? Um, I would say... Maybe not purpose per se, but it's definitely highlighted the importance of self-care. And more importantly to that is that taking antidepressants can be and is a form of self-care. Um, yeah. I mean, stupidly, I was almost, what's the word? Uh, I, how can I put it? I was on antidepressants before, like a good four or five years ago uh, for anxiety. I come off them. Three days later, my daughter was conceived. So I can only imagine the influx of hormones and withdrawals, just mental which could maybe contribute by PMDD, you never know. Um, but I almost wore the sort of four years antidepressant-free thing as a as an achievement, which I think it was for me at the time. And I think that's what held me back getting treatment for so long. It was just sheer stubbornness. And once I sort of like, you know, thought about it rationally, like I can't keep living like this. Um, this is going to make me, you know, feel better every month and be a better person for everyone else has to deal with me every month. Um, once I got sort of got to that point, it was much easier for me. So yeah, the self care making like me just making it a self care thing for me, the medication. I think it might have been Katie who actually said on the last episode, or it could have been Rachel the episode before. It was Rachel actually. You'll you'll never meet a person who knows themselves quite like a person who has PMDD. Yes, because the self reflection and just like you said before, kind of being able to tell where you are in your cycle, yeah. all of that just is so important, isn't it? And actually that in, in a way can be quite helpful, dare I say it. Yeah, no, it well. is definitely. I think the thing is for me, it was like in the space of four years, I come off antidepressants, you know, 
was pregnant, had my daughter, moved out, got a job. And then I felt like, hang on, I'm now struggling with my period. Like, I've dealt with all of that. And then it just almost, it's, I don't know, it didn't add up to me. But the best thing I've ever done was go back on antidepressants 100%. I feel like I can, I can manage my, my life a bit better during the luteal phase, which I feel very lucky for. I know not everyone else can get to that point with medication. They have to get other treatment. But for the time being, it's definitely helping. I, I'm so glad you've said that because whenever people ask me about kind of, you know, my approach to managing it, I always say, you know, I, I do this, you know, the, the things that everyone talks about, the gratitude, the journaling, I do all of that, but they're just as important as taking my medication. There's not, you know, there's not one thing that contributes overall to the, the best yeah. way for, for anyone to manage symptoms. It's kind of like a bit of a, a recipe of things isn't it yeah and definitely I think if you're not embarrassed to practice gratitude or do yoga or you know drink two liters of water a day why 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 would you be embarrassed to take a tablet that really does help just as much yeah, exactly. um and it's easy for me to say that now but I can totally agree to relate to everything you've just said there that there's definitely a bit of I don't know feeling of failure for feeling like you need a tablet to help yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah. But actually, it, it should be the other way around that it, by asking for that medication, for taking that medication, that's a step that you are taking to help yeah. yourself. And that's that's a huge achievement. Definitely. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. No, that's how I look at it now. <laughs> I love that. So when you think about the future, then what do you hope for for yourself? Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'd like to progress in my job. I mean, I'm not trying to boot my daughter off to school too early, but she's at nursery for another year. And after that, hopefully I'll be able to gain a few more hours. Um, yeah, and I was thinking the other day, like, you know, got a daughter about when she's older. And I just, she's quite, you know, all kids, but she's very compassionate. I just want to sort of instill in her, like, not only can you be compassionate towards others, but be compassionate towards yourself. Um, and sort of, I don't know, I don't know how I can achieve that with a three-year-old, but um, it's just sort of work in progress there. Because I feel like if she can acknowledge when to take a step back and when to ask for help, I feel like that will sort of equip her with the wonders of being a girl growing up <laughs> a bit better, definitely. Maybe there are things that we weren't taught enough when we were younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, obviously I live in a flat with, with my daughter and... Um, there's an open door policy everywhere in my flat. She sees my bum at least five times a day. Do you know what I mean? Um, but she makes me laugh because when I'm on my period, I leave the sanitary towels next to my toilet and then she'll go for a wee, unpack it and stick it to my wall, the bathroom wall. <laughs> so it's there for me. I'm like, oh, it's such a helpful babe. Thank you so much. Women supporting women. That's what we need. <laughs> it makes me laugh so much. <laughs> oh, but yes. But again, it's it's keeping it all normal, isn't it? I mean, she's definitely yeah. going to see sanitary towels at some point, so it may as well be now. Yeah, I went out shopping with my mum the other day. She, oh, look, sanitary towels, like mummy. Oh, my mum found it hilarious. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely more compassion for yeah, more for everyone, not just not just ourselves, but everyone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Fantastic. So as we come to the end of this this episode, then. Is there anything that you would like to add? And I'm thinking here that you mentioned before about, you know, your family being really supportive. Um, yeah. Is there anything you would like them to know if they're listening? Uh, I'm sorry and I'm, I'm and thank you. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, well, yeah, definitely I'm 
thank you for putting up with me um, and always being there and listening to me every month saying the same thing um, and always supporting me, really. Um, yes, especially to my other half, Tom, because it couldn't have been fun for him. <laughs> being Shout one of the closest people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. Oh, I love that. And, and are you glad you came and did this? Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. You're so, so welcome. Thank you very much. That's okay. I hope that you've been able to take something helpful away from Anna's story, whether it be hearing more about the physical side to PMDD or her plans for the future. As always, if you're hearing about PMDD for the first time, you can check out the IAPMD website for more information. And Anna has told me that she also recommends reading up on PMDD on the MIND website, which is also a great starting point. There's also a book that we're both currently reading called Period Power by Maisie Hill, which in my opinion is the sex education we should have all had in school. I'm only about a quarter of the way through, but I already feel like I've learned so much about periods and my reproductive system that I probably should have known a lot sooner. So I'd recommend that to anyone who wants to understand their periods better. In fact, anyone who has a uterus. On the next episode, I'll be talking with Sarah, who's coming on to talk about her holistic approach and how seed cycling is helping her to manage her PMDD symptoms without the use of any medication. So thank you again for listening. Do me a favour and share this podcast with your friends. Leave a review and subscribe to hear future episodes. If you'd like to get in touch, you can follow My Hormones My Health on Instagram or email me at hormonesandhealth at outlook.com.